I just don't want you to get diabetes, which I think is a, a thing a lot of people who are fat here. Um, mm -hmm. I just want you to diet because I care about you and I don't want you to get diabetes. So when I got PCOS, that was a huge fear for me, knowing very basically how PCOS works, you know, um, mm -hmm. and being like, oh my God, like, like even, even after literal years of being like entrenched in fat positivity and like understanding more about how my mind tells me lies about what I need to do and how I am, etc. It was immediately like I saw a link that was like PCOS and um, diabetes, and I was like, oh my God, I'm gonna get diabetes, and I did it, and it's my fault. Move away from the shame and feel less alone. Welcome to the PCOS and Food Peace podcast where you will find companionship and never another diet. Hosted by nutrition experts, Julie Duffy Dillon and Kimmy Singh. We want to walk alongside your PCOS journey. There's a comfortable spot at the table waiting just for you. Let's begin. Chapter two, Sophie Carter Khan on Googling the diagnosis while finding your path. Hi, and welcome to the PCOS and Food Peace podcast. I'm Julie Duffy Dillon. And I'm Kimmy Singh. We are glad that you're here with us today. And we, we put this show together with you in mind, and we hope it brings you the companionship that you're looking for as you navigate your PCOS journey. Kimmy and I have worked really hard to put this show together, and we wanted to shine a light on voices often not heard in PCOS circles. You'll hear from people like Jess Baker, Ivy Felicia, Danny Adriani, Adriana, Sophie Carter-Kahn, and many others. Every interviewee was asked a series of questions about their PCOS journey. This episode features the co-host of the amazing podcast, She's All Fat. Her name is Sophie Carter-Kahn. And we will start this episode with how we start every chapter of the PCOS and Food Peace podcast with a listener question. So we gather these questions on Instagram through our Facebook community or email newsletter. Today's question comes from our PCOS and Food Peace Facebook community. This is a free non-diet group that brings together people with PCOS who are not looking for another diet. Yes, there are so many PCOS communities that are just full of like weight loss discussions, weight loss advice. And Kimmy and I put this group together because we wanted to provide a space where someone can explore body positivity, fat positivity, move away from diets, and manage their PCOS and not have to worry about diet talk. So if you're interested in joining this free group, those are, there's a link for it in the show notes. And so this question's coming from there. So the community asked us, what is the relationship between PCOS and HS? Yeah, HS. Uh, how do we say HS? <laughs> <laughs> Hydrogenitis. Superativa? Maybe I'm going to try it. Hydrodenitis superativa. I don't know. We're going to call it HS. How about that? <laughs> so, so, the, much easier. so the amount of information is pretty minimal that I know about HS. I don't know about you, Kimmy, but all I have really been able to put together over the years is that uh, many people that I work with with PCOS have this HS thing, which is basically like boils or really tell me if I'm saying this wrong, but like boils or something that's uncomfortable in the um, 
pores of the skin, I guess in certain areas. And one thing I have learned is that it's connected to hyperandrogenism or like the high circulating testosterone and other sex hormones. That's a part of PCOS and it's also a part of HS. So, um, so yeah, like there's, there's not a lot of information that I know of yet, like dermatologically to help manage HS. Um, but I feel like it kind of goes along with all the other shit that happens with PCOS. We just don't have a lot of information, right? There's not enough. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, they do have that in common and like, yeah, another common denominator seems to be shame. And Sophie Carter Kahn has done a great job about bringing awareness to HS and openly discussing some of the shame that she's noticed people feeling about it. Um, so in her in her in her interview, she's going to talk more about HS and her experience with PCOS, and we hope that you enjoy it. Yes, we're going to get to her interview in just a few minutes, but first, a quick commercial break. This Q and A segment is brought to you by my PCOS and Food Peace course. My name is Julie, and I help women with PCOS to promote health, make peace with food, and radically reconnect with their own innate wisdom. I know it's probably been a long time since you felt like you could align with your body. You've been pushed to diet and diet and diet, no matter how hard it is. And I have a feeling, just like so many people that we interviewed for this podcast, that you also were dismissed and told just to try harder, even when it hurt. Well, after working with hundreds of women with PCOS, I've come up with a 12-step system that helps people with PCOS move away from diets and finally reconnect with that innate wisdom that they were born with. You were born with it too. I believe that you can do things like intuitive eating, mindful eating, all those non-diet approaches that you probably have heard other people do, you can too with PCOS. It just looks a little bit different at times. And that's what this course is all about. It's not another diet. Oh my goodness, totally not. Because I have been working for the last 20 years to help people move away from them. And so this is something that's different and unique and you won't be able to find anywhere else. A little bit about the course. It's self-paced and it's all downloadable. So whether you learn best by video, audio, or just reading, you get access to all those different formats. There's also a workbook involved that helps you dive even deeper and a support community that helps you connect with other people going through those 12 steps. The course also includes bonuses like a pre-diabetes or diabetes module. So if you are affected by that, you also can experience food peace as well. There's another component to help with advocating for better care, which is oh so important and a really big part of this podcast. So if you're interested in learning more, go to pcosandfoodpeace.com slash podcast. There you can connect with this course and there's also a course for dietitians. So maybe you work with a dietitian or you are one and you wanna learn how to do this type of system. I have a course for that too. So go to pcosandfoodpeace.com slash podcast for all the details. If you decide that the time is right for you to do the course, keep in mind, I have a special podcast coupon code. What you do when you go into checkout, it'll ask for a coupon code and just put the word in podcast and you will get 25% off the course. So again, go to pcosandfoodpeace.com slash podcast and you'll get all the details. 
And I am so excited for you to check it out. And I really think this is an important step that if the time is right, is something that can help you to feel more at home in your own skin. And honestly, everyone deserves that today because you are worthy and valuable just as you are. I am delighted to bring to you the interview that we did with Sophie Carter-Khan. She's a freelance writer and also co-host of the She's All Fat podcast. She was previously on staff at Hello Giggles and BuzzFeed. She writes about pop culture, gender, media, history, and plus-size fashion. Kimmy and I love the She's All Fat podcast. It is one we do not miss every week. And Sophie and her co-host created the podcast as they notice increase in fat visibility, but a lack of spaces for fat women and femmes to tell their own stories in a conversational setting. Do check it out. I know it's found on just every podcatcher you can imagine. Again, it's She's All Fat. I can't wait for you to hear this interview. It is incredible. And before we get to it, a quick commercial break. This PCOS and Food Peace podcast is being brought to you by Theralogics, the makers of Avocetol, an inositol supplement with a blend of myo-inositol and dechiro-inositol in the body's optimal ratio of 40 to 1. Inositols are nutrients that help to decrease insulin resistance, promote menstrual regularity, restore ovulation, and balance hormone levels. In convenient powder form, Avocetol can be enjoyed in your favorite beverage or smoothie. Available in both a canister and convenient single-serving packets, Avocetol contains 100% pure inositols with no additives. It also is the only inositol supplement that I recommend to my clients with PCOS because it does have that very important 40 to 1 ratio and is third-party tested. Order online today at Theralogics.com. That's T-H-E-R-A-L-O-G-I-X.com. And during checkout, be sure to use my PRC code 127410, and you will get an exclusive PCOS and Food Peace podcast discount. Also, be sure to listen to the end of this episode, where we will give you the opportunity to win a free 90-day supplies of Avocetol. So go to Theralogics.com and use the PRCI code 127410. Hi, Sophie. Hi. Tell me how you figured out you have PCOS. So it was like kind of a, a long road. I figured it out myself and then went to doctors and was like, I think I have PCOS and made them test me, which is like, was kind of frustrating because uh, when I found out about like all the things that happened with PCOS, I was like, this seems very obvious. Like, why didn't anybody help me with this? Um, but yeah, I just figured out by um, Googling some of the symptoms that I was having that I've had for a long time and then reading about it and then being like, oh, that's me. That's me and then asking to be tested. Um, and that was, I suspected like a couple years ago, and then I got officially diagnosed uh, last year. Okay. So you kind of were suspicious uh, for a couple of years then. It was something that kind yeah. of was like creeping in on you. Um, I find that to be like such a 
common experience and what the hell is going on with medical care? Like, why can't they figure it out? You know, how frustrating. I I think so much of it. I mean, I have a lot of other medical things that I also figured out by myself. Um, And I think a lot of them are autoimmune related. Um, So like, for example, I have a lot of like stomach issues. I have like IBS and I had SIBO, which is like a gut bacteria thing. And I have HS, which is often associated with PCOS. It's called hydrogenina secretiva. And it's like basically your body attacks your like sweat glands and you get large boils and cysts in your sweat glands. A lot of people with PCOS have it. And all of those things, um, the symptoms from all of them throughout my whole life were just over and over diagnosed as being fat and eating wrong, basically. Like over and over doctors would be like, your stomach hurts because you eat too much sugar. And I'd be like, I don't think that I do, but okay. Like maybe I do. Um, or they would be like, well, you know, you have intestinal problems because like your GI tract is messed up because you don't eat healthy. And I was like, well, I think I don't eat too much. Un- like, I don't think so. But like just so many years of being told like, um, this is your own fault. And like, this is because you're fat. And this is because you ate this way that you're feeling all these things like, and years of, you know, being in diet culture and trying to lose weight really like made me believe that. But then I would, you know, try to quote unquote eat better and nothing would go away. And it just got like worse and worse. And like the HS, they, I figured out what that was by Googling the like doctors, um, gave me several rounds of antibiotics for that, which like cleared up the, um, lesions. But then as soon as I was off them, they came back because they were not like asking you an infection or anything. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, I just kind of a couple of years ago, like slowly started just being like, I think I might know more about my body than these people I'm seeing like once every six months do and trusting more that like I could figure out what was up and that it wasn't my fault. And then I started Googling things and then like HS was the first thing that I found. And then I was like, oh my God, I think this is what I have. And then I took it to a doctor and they were like, oh, I've never heard of that before, but yeah, that looks right. Wow. <laughs> and then from there, it was when I was like, okay, well, maybe someone, like, maybe it's not normal for my stomach to hurt all the time. Like, maybe it's not normal for me to be this tired. Maybe it's like, meaning like normal for me. Like, maybe it's not my fate to like feel off all the time. Um, and then I started like looking more into things and figuring them out. But yeah, my experience has constantly been that being fat has been a huge detriment to healthcare. And like, I have worked really hard. I'm lucky because I live in Los Angeles, um, where there's like a lot of doctors to try if I don't like one. But Mm -hmm. uh, I've worked really hard to put together a couple doctors who like listen to me and are like, more down with the way that I want to practice healthcare towards my body. Mm-hmm. That's awesome that you're able to find a team that supports you. And it also is so sad to hear that on the West Coast, you know, Kimmy and I live on the East Coast, that doctors are assuming the same thing just by a visual check, you know, yeah. oh, obviously, you're not eating well, whatever that means, you're not eating yeah. well, you know, all they have to do is be like, so how's your eating? And then Right. Then to be able to say like, oh, okay, you could change this around or something and maybe that'll do something different. But um, oh, yeah. it stinks that that's like 
totally what they assume um, and part of how fat phobia hurts everyone for sure. Um, but yeah. I'm curious about something. So you mentioned at some point kind of taking a bigger picture. I don't know, somehow you stepped out of the situation. You're like, well, wait, maybe this is something else. Maybe it's not that I'm doing it wrong. I'm so curious, yeah. like if you were able to pinpoint, like what helped you to be able to do that? Because I think that's like the million dollar, <laughs> I think I, I want everybody to do that. <laughs> you yeah. Know? I mean, for me, it really was like a long process that like was only possible because I found like body positivity and then through that like fat positivity much later on but like body positivity and self-love stuff a lot of people I think in the body positive or fat positive community are very down on like kind of what they call like starter level self-love stuff or like 101 but that is what allowed me to get further into the more radical (laughs) politics of fat politics um I started following some like kind of self-love like basic Bopo accounts on Instagram and on Tumblr. Um, just when I felt like I in college had done a lot of diet things that were like very bad for my health and my body. And just cause I was desperate to be thin and, um, they didn't work. I lost a bunch of weight and then I gained more back, which happened like four times since I was like a 13 and I felt so hopeless. And I was like, maybe like, maybe I can just figure out how to accept this instead of doing this again. Um, not, not inspired by like a positive way. I was just like, so desperate to not like be, feel like a failure that I was like, okay, maybe I just have to come to terms with this. And then I found like self-love and body positivity stuff. And then from there, um, I got further and further into it and saw more things about like fat politics and saw more things about, oh, like maybe these things you've been told were like, you don't have to believe them. Maybe these things you were told you don't have to buy into this. Maybe um, doctors didn't know everything about what they were telling you. Maybe they weren't seeing these things. And that kind of opened up more questions in my head about like, you know, I had, I had just never before, I felt so out of control of my own body because I didn't feel like it was responding, you know, the way it should whatever that means by basically like allowing me to become thin and I felt like I didn't have a connection with my body and I felt like I was failing in controlling it and so when I read all this stuff it allowed me to kind of be like oh maybe I'm not enemies with my body maybe I need to listen to it in a different way maybe the things I'm trying aren't working because they're not the things I'm supposed to try. Or maybe they're not the things that my body wants and needs right now. Like maybe it's telling me something different. And it was just like a really long, long process of that. And then when I first like started Googling and found stuff, then I was like, oh my God, like I was right. (laughs) Like I do know more about myself. Like I can figure more of this out. Um, But until I had that kind of basis, that I found through again, like very 101, very like, it's okay to look in the mirror and like yourself, like that kind of stuff yeah. that's very basic. Um, until I found that, I just was too wrapped up in like, I probably feel bad because I'm bad, essentially, it was like the core fear or feeling that I would walk around with. Mm-hmm. So um, since you've been diagnosed with PCOS and you've been trying to have medical treatment in relation to that diagnosis, how has your experience been with healthcare professionals? 
Well, since I figured it out last year, I have a um, a nurse primary care who I really like, and I have a gyno who I really like, and I have a nutritionist who I really like. And the three between the three of them, I'm kind of working towards, um, you know, being more like copacetic with <laughs> my diagnosis <laughs> and mm-hmm. and what I want to do. It's been um, a process the biggest thing for me has been working with my nutritionist because of all of the like stomach issues I mentioned before. Um, basically I just like figured out that I had PCOS. I went to this guy now, talked to her about like body positivity stuff. She's like, that sounds like reasonable. I am on board with that. And then she was like, yeah, it seems like you have PCOS. I don't know why nobody diagnosed this before. Mm. And she put me on birth control And then she was like, come back in six months and we'll like talk about how things have changed. Like, okay. And then I worked with my nutritionist and it's only, it's been like a year that I've worked with her, um, moving very slowly on things, but it's only been really in the last two months that I have felt more on top of my like GI issues that I can like take a, a closer look on how like food and other things are affecting like what seems to be more PCOS specific things. Um, just because that other stuff was so like immediately in a more, like I ate something and then I felt bad day to day way affecting my life that it was hard to tell how to like parse down to what, Mm -hmm. um, the PCOS stuff was. So just like I, right now I like feel like I've had a good experience with my specific team, Mm-hmm. But um, that's because I like went to 10 other doctors and they were all like, no, you just need to lose weight. And I was like, bye. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That's an yeah. easy way to weed through it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the main thing is that I really wish, I mean, with all of my people, I don't have that much time with them. You know, they're, you mm-hmm. never have enough time with the doctor. And I'm someone who really likes to really drill down and understand everything and know like, how is this working? How is my body working? What's the process? Like, I don't obviously have or want a medical degree, but like, I want to know what's going on. And like, why are you suggesting this? Like, how would this Mm -hmm. help? Um, I need, I want to know the motivation behind what I'm doing. Um, it's a lot different to approach like, Oh, try eating like more spinach because like you have a iron like deficiency in your blood and that'll help with that. than it is to be like, eat more iron because that's good, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so that's been the hardest thing right now is that it's like really hard. Like you are one of the few places where people can get weight neutral, like PCOS information. Um, and everywhere else that I've looked is just so like hard to parse through the information and like swat aside the fat negative mm-hmm. stuff. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? When I like really want to know what's going on and know, how I can help myself. Um, and I just, yeah, that's the main thing right now is that they just don't have enough time to like explain everything Mm -hmm. that I want. Yes. And I know that you mentioned having fat phobic experiences, experiences with providers. So when you finally found the right team, was it almost like a shocking experience? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, my gyno and my primary doctor, it's not like they're like radically fat positive, honestly, Mm -hmm. they're just like, I was like, I'm not going to lose weight. I've had 
like all these bad experiences with losing and regaining weight and I have like a disordered eating past um are you chill with treating me in a way that's not with that and they were both like sure um but they weren't like yeah definitely my politics are that you can be fat and healthy or thin and unhealthy like you don't know but like they weren't like (laughs) yeah (laughs) you know the world isn't there yet yeah (laughs) um but it was like um, it was a relief to be like, oh, I found doctors who will actually like take what I'm preferring about my care into account, um, mm-hmm. who will listen to my, even if they just see them as preferences and not as like saving my life, which is how I see it, then like that's still, if they are willing to approach my care that way, like I will work with them mm-hmm. on that. And that was like such a relief and allowed me to actually move forward on making my health better. And like, that's one of the main things <laughs> that makes me angry about it is just being like, those other doctors have no idea that they made my health much worse because they were so like unfriendly and unwilling to listen and just like, well, it's this way. And like, you need to get with the picture and do this and do that. And I'd be feeling like he has no idea. Like he doesn't know me at all. Yeah. I, I totally agree. Like, I feel like there's a level of like, um, don't be, uh, a jerk, you know, be like kind and compassionate and like dignified and a human to other humans. But then also like if someone's a healthcare provider, they usually have some kind of like interest in health. And so, um, one of the things that's really quite obvious in research right now is that the oppression that people at higher weights experience do things to the body like autoimmune type stuff. Um, IBS can be rooted sometimes in the PCOS experience because of further autoimmune involvement. So part of me is like, huh, I wonder how much weight stigma played into the PCOS evolving into also having this IBS component, (laughs) you know? And I mean, um, definitely for me a lot, especially because of the like dieting tactics Mm -hmm. and like restrictive (laughs) stuff that I did in the past, Mm -hmm. for sure that Mm -hmm. affected my health now, you know? And all of that was stuff that like when I was a teenager, when I was like 13 and went to the doctor and was like, I'm on Weight Watchers. And they were like, good job. Like that's Ugh, messed yeah. up. <laughs> yeah. You know? It's so backwards. Yeah. Um, so how did you tell your loved ones about PCOS? Oh, um, when I first started suspecting it, I told my boyfriend and my sister and my mom, and they were like, that sounds interesting. Keep us updated. <laughs> and then they, they're very supportive. And then I went to the doctor and I was like, I have PCOS. And they were like, okay. Like it was a much bigger experience for me to be like, finally, I have this reason for these things that have happened. Or like, now I know, like, like for example, one, one thing is that, um, my period has never, ever since I got it when I was 12, been regular And I didn't know that that was not normal until I went to college and my best friend was my roommate and her period came like the same day every month. And I was like, that's really weird. And she was like, what do you mean? And I was like, does everyone, doesn't everyone like not know when their period's going to come? And she was like, no. I was like, huh, there's something off here. Yeah. Um, But all doctors, then I went to the doctor and the doctor said, it's because you're fat and being fat messes up your period. And if you just lost weight, then it would be fine. And by the way, being fat is going to make you infertile. 
Oh my gosh. They set the bar so low. Oh my gosh. It's like I I want I'm trying to think of ways, like general ideas of how people can improve, but they just set the bar so low. Yeah. Yeah. It's literally just like don't say that it's, you know, try to like ask questions and don't say that it's your patient's fault for like being the way that they are. Like, but then so when I got the PCOS diagnosis, I was already like, you know, what, four years into like more body positive stuff and my family's you know, heard about it, been on board with it. And no one in my, like, no one else in my immediate family has dealt with the same kinds of uh, eating disorder stuff that I have. So it was like a very personal for me. It was like, oh my God, I finally have the name for this and it's not my fault. And I was right. And it's this and it's that. And my family was like, okay, cool. Another acronym thing that's like going on with your body. That's fine. (laughs) Like they didn't care. (laughs) um so I also have a follow-up question if you're comfortable sharing how has it been for you like as a public figure to share your PCOS experience yeah um very weird to be called a public figure I'm not used to that (laughs) um yeah I don't know I've talked about like especially HS I try to talk about as much as I can because it's a hugely shame-based disease like um a lot of people a lot more people than um know have it have it like a lot of people again like me are told like it's because you're fat and you sweat too much it's because you're not showering enough is another one that I heard it's mm-hmm. because you're eating too much sugar you know um and so every time I talk about PCOS and HS specifically on the podcast or just on my Instagram story, I get so many messages that are like, oh my God, what is this? What is this? I have, think I have this too. Like, what is going on? Like, can you tell me blah, blah, blah. Um, and I try to point people to resources, but it has been like, it's a little bit overwhelming sometimes um, because I am pretty, we're pretty vulnerable on the podcast and we put forward stuff about our lives and, and the truth of like our experiences. Um, but the podcast is like what we have chosen to put out there. You know what I mean? Um, Mm -hmm. like what we've chosen to put out in the world and like it's edited and we've thought about everything we're going to say. And Mm -hmm. so when I get like emails or most, most likely Instagram or Twitter messages that are like, I think I have PCOS and like, here's 30 paragraphs of my trauma. Can you (laughs) help me? I'm always like, Oh my God. Like, I don't know what to do here. Like I, I am not a doctor or a nutritionist or a therapist, and I don't want to be any of those things. Like mm-hmm. my function in this ecosystem is like very different than that. Mm-hmm. And if it was like, I have no problem putting up boundaries uh, with like the creepy men who DM me <laughs> all the time. Yeah. But like, <laughs> but with people who are like, um, help, I'm in pain, even when I feel like like oftentimes those messages are super overwhelming for me and they're like very hard to read and they can be triggering for me, but I don't want to respond in a way that is like causing further pain. So I try to be like, well, if you look on our website, we have like on our resource page, like a list of body positive nutritionists, or we have a list of like PCOS resources or like, here's the podcast where I talked about having HS more, um, but just the way that so many people respond by being like, oh, my God, like, I need to tell you everything because 
I've never heard someone talk about it this way before tells me that like, we need a lot more of that and like Mm -hmm. a lot more people sharing their experiences and talking about all the things that have happened to them with it and um, more like publicity. Like I want you guys to be huge so that more people Mm -hmm. know about you and I I point people to you all the time. Be yeah. like, hey, go talk to them. That's what they're saying. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, as you were telling me that, I was just thinking of how many people feel like they don't have any support system. You know, having you talk about it, it seems like the safest place for them, even though, you know, knowing that you don't have that training and that's not really what you're there for. Yeah, totally. I mean, yeah, I think I'm super, super lucky that my best friend and my boyfriend and my family are very supportive and just like, you know, if I'm like, hey, I need help with this, they're there and they're on board with all of my like politics, basically. Um, a lot of people who end up DMing me are like, I'm too ashamed to talk to my family about this. My uh, partner just keeps telling me to lose weight. Like it's part of their like outreach to me that they don't have anyone else to talk to. Mm-hmm. And like, I sometimes I'm like, oh, I wish I could talk with you, but I just, I just don't think it would help. I think part of it is that like, I know this from my other writing, just my, you know, freelance writing that people Mm -hmm. read stuff that you put out and they like, it resonates with them if it's good. And then they feel like they know you and they want to share with you. But Mm -hmm. then it's like, you know, if you actually talk to me, you'd find out that all I have to say is like, slight critique of you know the last three episodes of the most recent Queer Eye season and like then also I want to talk about fan fiction I don't want to talk about this you know (laughs) I mean that's still a lot to offer I have to say (laughs) I mean it's just that it's like I'm not I'm not in my study all the time like creating a peaceful space for PCOS you know what I mean like Mm -hmm. it's just not uh possible all the time Mm -hmm, but I do wish that more people had access to resources and that's why like even though I uh hate the internet I love the internet because that's like like I said the internet's what allowed me to like find online communities that were body positive and thought positive and eventually allowed me to do things that increased my um health and wellness and like bettered my relationship with my own body and my mind yeah well, you know, I'm really grateful that you've used your platform to help people to feel less alone. And people have talked to me about listening to your podcast and and how it has helped them to really feel um, just more in their, safe in their own body. And, you know, that's, yes. that's awesome, right? I mean, that's like such a wonderful thing to provide someone. And um, so, yeah, we're really grateful for that. And you know, I kind of want to turn the page a little bit. And, you know, you mentioned the disordered eating experience that you had. Um, yeah. And then also how your GI tract has been not cooperative. And yeah. <laughs> so how, you know, so your relationship with food already had some complicated layers to it. But, you know, what did PCOS do to complicate it more, if at all? Like, did it, how did it affect your relationship with food? Yeah. I mean, so right now that's kind of the main thing. Like I'm about to kind of start thinking more about PCOS specifically and food. Like I kind of said before, personally, I had so many other things I had to kind of triage (laughs) before I could delve into thinking about PCOS and food that um, it's only now that I'm like a year into like uh, being more comfortable with thinking about 
changing the way I eat or changing how I think about food that I'm able to really like think and talk about it. I don't know. It's like, this is where I, I think I'm very much not like, I don't have all the answers for myself yet, but I'm only starting now that I don't feel like that. I don't have acid reflux and feel super sick to my stomach. Like 90% of the day (laughs) that I'm Mm -hmm. able to be like, Oh, when I eat more of this, um, is my energy up? Like right now, for example, one of the main like things I'm trying to attack is that I have a lot of chronic fatigue and I have seen that that can be PCOS related. Mm -hmm. Um, before I got all my diagnoses, I was told that it was because I was fat and I wasn't exercising enough, even though I was exercising a bunch. Um, but now that I am further into it, I'm like trying to um, understand more about how PCOS and fatigue specifically are intertwined. Um, I want, that's kind of what I was saying before about like, I want to understand more about how specifically insulin and sugar and et cetera, like all the things work. And I have been finding for myself recently, it's a little bit hard to get into learning about it because a lot of it feels very triggering for me. Mm. Like it can feel very, self-blaming, um, which is why like some of the resources that you guys provide is, are like very helpful because mm-hmm. it seems like some of them like kind of anticipate the immediate, like, Oh, so it's my fault. Like mm-hmm. thought. And you're mm-hmm. like, um, so it, this is how insulin works. It's not your fault. And they're like, oh, cool. <laughs> um, like that was very helpful for me, but I'm just starting to get into all that just because like, even my friends who are doctors, like I have friends who I went to high school with who are like in medical school or, or mostly in residency right now. And when I talk to them about it, they seem to not totally have an understanding of how explaining the um, like physical processes of fat cells, insulin, and sugar can sound very blaming to someone mm-hmm. who's had disordered eating. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Um, yes. And so that in itself, like lately has been what I've been, struggling with or like trying to come up against is trying to be like, okay, how can I both have a better understanding of the way that my body works and approach my body peacefully and with compassion and, um, not just fall in back. It's like even years into this process, it feels like I could, you know, easily be pushed over the edge by someone and be like back in a bad spot. You know, it's like a constant recovery. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm always trying to be like, how can I learn more about this in a way that's not going to trigger my disordered eating stuff? Mm -hmm. Um, so I feel like I'm at the very beginning of really thinking about PCOS specifically and food. I've done a lot of work with food for like my disordered eating in general and for like my stomach stuff. But yeah, I'm at the beginning of that process, which I'm trying to think about as exciting and not as uh, something I don't want to do, but yeah. Yeah. And the timing's better in a sense, because you're in a place where you're aligned with your body, you know, it's, or at yeah. least that's what, it, how you're describing it. And, um, you know, something totally. I was thinking about is like for you and for anyone listening, who's like in the same place to know that there's no race to the information because just taking your time and letting your body kind of guide you to what works for you is going to give you what works for you, you know, and rushing kind of makes it too complicated, too many variables. And so, yeah, like the pace that you're describing sounds great. 
I hope so. Yeah. It used to work. I mean, for me, like one thing that my, like when I was younger, my doctors and my family before they were up on board with this stuff, one thing I would hear was like, I just don't want you to get diabetes, which I think is a thing. A lot of people who are fat here, um, mm-hmm. I just want you to diet because I care about you and I don't want you to get diabetes. And so when I got PCOS, that was a huge fear for me, knowing very basically how PCOS works, you know, um, mm-hmm. and being like, oh my God, like, like even, even after literal years of being like entrenched in fat positivity and like understanding more about how my mind tells me lies about what I need to do and how I am, et cetera. Mm-hmm. It was immediately like, I saw a link that was like PCOS and um, diabetes. And I was like, Oh my God, I'm going to get diabetes. And I did it. And it's my fault. And I'm like, it was so fast oh, yeah. that mm-hmm. my mind went there. Um, that it's just like, I am trying to take it very slowly and like, just be like, Oh, well, you know, like, for example, I just got a bunch of blood tests back. Um, I had done a bunch of blood tests last year. I did a bunch of blood tests this year. And it was literally like, it was very interesting to notice my fears before looking at the results. Like I have changed a lot of the way I eat in a way to like, uh, to find out what things are hurting my stomach and then try not to eat those things because they hurt my stomach anymore. And, uh, and I feel very different than I did last year. And last year I had a bunch of like nutritional deficiencies and numbers that were like all over the place. And I was like, before I, even though I know how different I feel, my brain was like, it's going to be worse. You haven't done anything good. You know what I mean? And then I got the blood test back and I was like, oh, I'm, I, some of these have gone away because I feel better because I'm listening to my body more. But like, even now it's like, it's so close. It's so present. And I don't want people to feel like they're a failure. Like if it's present like that, I think it is for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can totally relate. And just as a fat person, I feel like doctors especially always put this pressure on to set you up to feel like you're ready to be punished or any moment now, you know, that moment's going to come where you see that yes. you haven't been doing things right, whatever that means. Totally. Yeah. yeah. I, at any moment, like doctors always made me feel like, if I didn't find a way to chop 60 pounds off my body, I was going to die tomorrow. Oh yeah. If, if tomorrow, if you make it to tomorrow. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Still here. (laughs) You show them Sophie. (laughs) (laughs) So I know from listening to your podcast that you understand the nuances of self-love and body positivity. So that brings me to wonder how PCOS has affected your relationship with your body. Um, well, it's an interesting question. I have always, like, one thing I would like to do more writing and thinking on is, um, the relationship between, like, my fertility and period and stuff, my sense of, like, womanhood, my understanding now of, like, uh, cis and trans politics, fat phobia, do you, like, I feel like it's all kind of this big, a swirling thing like that I have tried to like unpeel over the last couple of years. Like I know for me, um, and by like cis and trans politics, I mean like not everyone, like it doesn't uh, make mm-hmm. you a woman to have a period or mm-hmm. to have ovaries yeah. or anything mm-hmm. and not everyone with 
and over your period is a woman. Right. Yeah, but definitely. so much messaging says that like mm-hmm. it's everywhere um, from both from like more mainstream doctor stuff to like, mm-hmm. you know, more woo woo LA spirituality <laughs> shit. Yeah. Says that like, and even just, you know, navigating the line between, okay, so not everyone has that, but I am woman. I identify as a woman and I have a woman's body because I identify as a woman. And this to me feels like part of that. And mm-hmm. the fact that I feel like it doesn't work the way I want it mm-hmm. to, it's yeah. quote broken, you know, mm-hmm. how does that affect my sense of this? Um, and yeah. it's another thing where it's like, oh, um, if I talk about it out loud, like when I talk to my boyfriend a lot about this, he's like a very supportive partner. And I'm like, well, I'm scared that I'll be infertile, which even my like not super fat positive doctor is like, no, you're fine. Like we can work on this when you want to have kids. Do you want to have kids? And I'm like, no. And she's like, then you're fine. But I've been told it so many times that it's like in there, you know? Mm-hmm. So I'll be like, well, what if I'm infertile? And then he'll be like, well, does that, really make you like less of a woman? Does it make you less of a mom if you adopt? And I was like, mm-hmm. no, I would never say that to someone, but like, I might fear it mm-hmm. about myself, you know? Um, okay. So that's one way, just like trying to unpack that in myself, trying to divest from the idea that like having a like extremely perfect regular cycle has anything to do with my sense of myself and my womanhood and my <laughs> femininity mm-hmm. and trying to divest from the fact that like, or from the idea that, um, health and like my ovarian health and my health in general have anything to do with that. Um, Mm -hmm. and my sense of myself is like a valid, attractive, like sexual woman. Does that make sense at all? Definitely. Yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense. And I'm really happy that you brought up like discussing fertility in a way that's not transphobic. And that's something like as someone that tries to educate people on PCOS, I'm still trying to learn the best way to do that, you know, while including people that have all different experiences Mm -hmm. and identities. Yeah, it's hard because uh, in some arenas, it's very easy to talk about. You can just be like, people Mm -hmm. with ovaries or whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and that's a very like clinical way to talk about it. But as, as a cis person, um, it's like hard sometimes for me to unpack that and to think about what it actually, like, I don't think cis people are practiced in thinking about what it actually means to them to be a woman or be a man or be non-binary. Like, Mm -hmm. uh, I like, whenever I think about it, I'm always like, I don't know. I just Mm -hmm. know you know, like, you don't have to think about it. Exactly. Um, So it's, yeah, trying to like, unpack that trying to um, just, just basically a lot of these things Mm -hmm. come back to finding ways to acquaint my body to myself and be like, well, I don't know about anyone else. But for me, this is Mm -hmm. me. This is Sophie, like, this is a woman, this is, um, someone who's not a mom right now this is someone who is in a relationship with a man but is by like this is someone who Mm -hmm. um feels good about herself today this is someone who feels bad about herself yesterday Mm -hmm. you know like just trying to constantly be like well it doesn't need to say anything about anyone else this is me and I don't have to be in any kind of category to be comfortable with me and yeah. that kind of reframing has helped um, with PCOS stuff, especially to just be like, 
I don't need to have a super regular period or whatever to like Mm -hmm. feel like me. This is my version of me. Yeah, no, of course. I agree. And I think it's just really important for everybody with PCOS to be able to make space for all of them and, you know, recognize it and even in place of everybody else around them. Um, Well, on that topic, how do you perceive PCOS and other chronic conditions in the realm of body positivity? Um, Yeah. Okay. So this is something that I think a lot about and I, um, Sometimes I point people to my friend Danny at I am Danny Adriana on Instagram. Um, she has been like very public about some other health issues. Like she had jaw surgery for like a some teeth thing and um, talked about how that, you know, interacted with her body positivity. I mean, it's hard, right? Because like very, a lot of people, like I was saying, like, I, I think that 101, like, love yourself, like you're fine the way you are stuff is like so primally important because it's the first thing a lot of people can latch on to and be like, oh my God, maybe there's a different way. Um, It's harder later on because I think the body positive movement and especially the more fat positive circles have a hard time um, figuring out ways to talk about health because Mm -hmm. our society as a whole is so bad about it that mm-hmm. I think when people find body positivity it's like very scary to consider discussions of health in it um I think most of the time most body positive politics and circles of body positive politics don't need discussions of health um mm-hmm. we're used to hearing that people especially are used to hearing judgments and discussions about health all the time and it's such mm-hmm. like a personal thing whereas body positivity is an outward societal facing thing you know where like it's not, um, someone's health has nothing to do with, with how they should be treated mm-hmm. it doesn't have to do with their, you know, the justice that they should receive from the world in general. Yeah. But I would love to see, um, more body positive and fat positive communities internally, um, be supportive of people who are trying to navigate, uh, working on their own health. I don't, again, it's like nobody owes anyone their health. Nobody mm-hmm. has to be healthy. Like, it's not good or bad morally to be healthy or unhealthy. Mm -hmm. But like for me, it was especially at the beginning of trying to work on some of this stuff when I was like, I want to not have my stomach hurt every day. How can I go after this? If more body positive circles had space to discuss that, because I'm sure at the beginning I would have said it in like a harmful way, you know, Mm -hmm. because I had all these fears, like, what if I have to diet? What if I have to lose weight to be healthy? Like that's, I think a lot of people's fear when they're initially trying to look at health in a body positive way. That's like the first thing that comes up. And that is understandably like a harmful thing for other people to hear. But I just think it would be helpful to have more centers of processing for that um, to help people who have been so abandoned by the healthcare um, industry their whole lives find a way towards working on their own health if they want to, because it's so easy to mess up on it, meaning like mess up on talking about it in a way that could be harmful to other people when you're first trying to navigate it. Like it just, when you don't have a blueprint, you're going to like scrawl all over the place, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And that abandonment is one of the foundations of like why this podcast came to be with Kimmy and me, you know, like that's exactly why, because we wanted to, 
um, have more conversations that weren't happening, especially um, with PCOS, but really anywhere, you know? And so um, we're totally in agreement with you. And thank you for um, bringing that to the attention to the listener too. Um, And and along those lines, what do you wish the, the world or their medical community or health professionals, what do you wish people knew about PCOS? Oh my gosh. Um, I wish people in general knew more about what it was. I was like surprised because I, as someone um, who is like perceived as a woman by the world and is a woman, I like, you know, women talk to each other about period shit all the time. (laughs) And so I think a lot more women know about PCOS than Mm -hmm than um, people who don't experience the world that way. Um, Mm -hmm. But also I think still a lot of people just like don't know about it or they think it's just like you have weird periods and they don't know about like all the other, like, you know, they don't know about the insulin part of it. They don't know about the general, just like how it works in general. Um, So I guess I wish, I mean, (laughs) it's a big wish, right? But I wish our, our, our culture of discussing health in general was different. Um, so that more information could be out there. Like it would just be so different if people, I mean, it's kind of the same fight across a lot of justice boards right now. Like it's the same thing with STIs, right? Like how, you know, how can we encourage people to learn more about STIs without putting shame or moralistic blame on them? You know, like how can we empower people to know more about um, like the way food interacts with their body without like falling into societal pits of like, um, being shaming and, and talking about diet stuff. Like there's so much morality associated with health in general. That's like the main thing that if I could snap my fingers, I would make that go away. But in particular, um, I just wish that more doctors, um, had considered this. Like if my gyno in high school had maybe, suggested it instead of just saying like your period's weird because you're fat (laughs) like that sense of being doing something bad to my body because of the way I was really uh propagated a lot of my own disordered eating and um it's it would have just made a big difference I think if a healthcare professional had been like oh it seems like this is happening in your body here's what it is like without (laughs) judgment about it like without even, even at the beginning, probably without reasons or without it, except for if the reason they wanted to give was like, this happens sometimes, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, like if, if more people, um, if people depathologized fatness and looked at symptoms more, I think PCOS would be much better like treated and taken care of. And people would have like a better experience with it. Because as it is, I know a lot of other people have had the same experience as me where people were just like, oh, you're just fat, so your body's messed up Mm -hmm. um, without really looking into it. And I guess people in general, I think most people are pretty uneducated about like health stuff Mm -hmm. in general. Like if you're not, if you're you're not affected by it, you don't think about it really. And that's the case (laughs) for everything. I mean, it's like a constant effort to like, like I said, I'm like still, you know, I'm cis, I'm trying to educate myself on trans issues. I'm white. Mm-hmm. That will be a constant blind spot for me in my justice work. Um, but all we can do is like keep trying. And so it would be nice if the information that's out there wasn't so like 
Mm-hmm. Like literally I just seen anytime you Google PCOS, it's like how to lose weight is mm-hmm. the first thing. Yeah. yeah. It's everywhere. Yeah. Um, well, talking about PCOS info, what is the best and worst PCOS advice that you were given? Hmm. I would say the worst would just be lack of information. Mm-hmm. Like even my gyno last year, who who I like, again, who was like the best gyno I've ever had, who was mm-hmm. like, oh, let me put you on these pills and then we'll come back in six months. But she didn't tell me like, pay attention to these things, like pay attention to how it makes you feel in this way. And we'll talk about that. Like, mm-hmm. see if it changes this particular thing. Um, that would have been very helpful for me um, as I'm now trying to like figure out how and if the birth control pills have like what they've affected about my body in other ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and the best advice, hmm, I would say like, yeah, again, I don't really think I've gotten good advice. <laughs> yeah. I, think, I think the best advice I've gotten is just the best experience I've had is just um, some of my thin friends who have had PCOS actually is just being like, Oh, people who aren't fat have PCOS. Like I literally didn't know that until I like was talking about it when my friends was like, Oh, I have that too. And mm-hmm. I was like, what <laughs> you do? <laughs> um, you have proof yeah. that the fat did not cause it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. I was like, but you're not fat. And she was like, what? <laughs> because she had a totally different experience. Her doctor didn't say any of that shit to her at all. Mm-hmm. Like none of it, you know? Yeah. And so she was like, what are you talking about? And I was like, what are you talking about? Like we just yeah. had such opposite experiences with it that just hearing that made me be like, all right, this is some BS. I got to look more into this. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's like cornering the doctor and be like, just tell me what you tell the thin clients with PCOS. And let's just yes. get to that. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Go to that part exactly. of your brain and let me access that. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, I'm wondering what, what tools you found that have helped with navigating wellness with PCOS for you. So I'm thinking about like mental health, because that's something that so many people experience alongside PCOS, um, maybe like a mood disorder or something like that. Um, yeah. So yeah. have you found any tools that have been helpful for you? Yeah. So again, like I, I feel like I'm still on the starter path of like connecting the dots for a lot of this stuff for me. I've always had anxiety and, um, and in college I had like a depression bout. And then last year when earlier, like the beginning of last year was kind of when I felt comfortable enough in my like body positivity to actually approach my health. And one of the things that I did was I was like, huh, I've been on antidepressants since college. I wonder what I'm like without them. (laughs) Like, and my doctor is like, well, I don't think you're depressed, so we can try taking you off. But, um, because I didn't really have someone who looked at everything very holistically. And it was like kind of a process of figuring all these things out at one time. Like I went off antidepressants and then I went on birth control. And then I also was again, self-diagnosed with ADD, which also I like read some can Mm -hmm. sometimes be like, there's like a higher incidence of some people with PCOS having ADD. I've read. Um, Mm -hmm. And like, So I started medication for that as well. And so it was like a lot of changes at one time. And it was hard to tell a little bit which thing was affecting me, how, if that makes sense. And so like mental health wise, like 
that's been a little bit harder to deal with just because like mental health is, is hard to self-analyze. It's like, you know, it's hard to have your brain look at itself. Um, (laughs) We have like very inaccurate perceptions of ourselves in that way. And um, I have like, like that's one of the next things I'm going to be working on with my nutritionist is like, now we have these blood tests. So, and I'm like, not feeling like I'm going to die every day anymore. So can we work on some of these more um, like ovarian health related things? Can we work on some things that have to do with like mental health and anxiety and how exactly is my birth control interacting with my anxiety and like mood? And how can I look more into that while on birth control? And how can I think about it like in terms of PCOS affecting it instead of just I'm this way? Um, so I'm still very much like on the path of figuring all those things out. Mm-hmm. Well, as you've been figuring it all out, what have you learned about PCOS that surprised you? I kind of feel like I'm never surprised. Bodies are disgusting <laughs> and weird. Like I'm, I'm like, oh great. You're beyond this question. <laughs> it's just these weird organ bag stuff together. Whenever I find out something else is not working exactly as I want, I'm just like not surprised. You know, I'm like, yeah, that's whatever. Got a cog weird. You know, like I just bodies don't make sense and they're weird. And so I don't know. I think maybe one thing that surprised me would be like just finding that there are weight neutral PCOS resources. Like I was honestly surprised. Like even even with being years into body positivity and like believing that health can be like achieved in a weight neutral way or can or health can affect you in a weight neutral way. I was surprised to see that there would be resources like your podcast and like the work that you do. Um, because it's really, really, really hard to divest from that core idea that it's because of that or it's because of this or it's because of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel like people with PCOS need this fat positive message. And I mean, yeah. maybe I'm being weird, but I feel like they need it more than everybody else. <laughs> so like, yeah. I think it hurts so many layers of the the disease and, and um, yeah, I just hope more people can, can get with it. And, and there are dietitians who are being trained now in school about uh, a non-diet message so they don't have to mess people up like I did in the beginning and you know yeah. get more to it and um you know I think there's gonna I think there's hope for the future that there'll be more providers doing fat positive types of interventions and um because yeah there's like nutrition sides of PCOS treatment that can be really interesting for someone to experiment with as long as there's not a moral side to it or a fear exactly. base to it. Um, we don't know enough about the condition. I hate that as well. You mentioned like how it's just basically ovaries and, you know, yeah. there's so many different parts of your body that it affects. Um, yeah. So I, 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 I wish that there's just more people and I think they're going to be more fat positive providers. So, yeah. Or I hope so. Or even just more, you know, testing on, Testing, like larger yeah. bodies mm-hmm. thing, yes. you know? Yes, yeah. yeah. And the making sure it's actually like, like I, I look at research and I encourage anyone listening who's looking at PCOS research or maybe a headline to like dive really into the research and look a little bit more because fat phobia really keeps people from the information um, because the headline messes yeah. with it. And when I look at PCOS research, oftentimes it's like six weeks long, especially if it's like a diet focused yeah. one. And I'm like, mm-hmm. well, six weeks, I mean, that's dumb. <laughs> Anybody yeah. can do something for a short amount of time. But when we look at ones further out, 
um, making sure yeah. it's health promoting for everyone, not just a few, you know? I guess that, yeah. I mean, that was one thing that, that is one thing that surprised me is when I started looking more into, cause you see a lot of headlines that are like, um, study shows like losing 10 pounds, like helps PCOS or something like mm-hmm. that's everywhere. You see that everywhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when I like started looking more into the studies, all of a sudden it was like, wait, like <laughs> they just were looking at these other weird metrics. They didn't like mm-hmm. really see long-term health at all. It was people of all sizes that they had lose weight. They didn't see like that you, if you, that, or if you regained it later, I'm just mm-hmm. like, it doesn't make any sense to me why someone who's like 70 pounds lighter than me and I would have the same outcomes from both losing five pounds. Like mm-hmm. it doesn't have you know, bodies, my size included in this study. Like, it's just Mm -hmm. so like you read the headline, it's like doctors find or whatever research finds. And it's just like, yeah, you know, but it's very, it's also hard to navigate, uh, studies. Like even when, you know, even looking at them, like, you're just like, (laughs) like, I've just had the experience of reading them. And sometimes you can tell that there's like a sentence that's like, as, as you may be aware, like blah, 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 Mm -hmm. study and blah, blah, blah. And Mm -hmm. you're like, I'm not aware. I don't know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what is this? But mm-hmm. yeah, I think in general, like writing about it uh, in a different way, like science writing could do a lot to help people with that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so you mentioned Danny Adriana too. Yeah. And uh, I we did talk to her. She's also included in this series. So um, one thing that you all have in common is you've been kind of newly diagnosed with PCOS. And so yeah. we've been asking all of our guests something that may seem a little bit different because it wasn't that long ago. And, and um, yeah, you all have a lot of things in common in that you were already exploring um, body positivity and fat positivity when you got diagnosed. And mm-hmm. it's really interesting how, um, I, I don't know, I, I wish everyone found it when they already were immersing themselves in that, in that space. But, I know. Um, but what do you wish you could tell yourself after receiving your PCOS diagnosis? And again, I, I know you just got diagnosed, you know, in the yeah. not so distant past, but is there anything that you wish you could tell yourself, maybe even just like, trust yourself, you know, like, like you have been doing? Yeah. I mean, just like, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. Like even years into it, that fear is still there. And if I had if I had uh, felt that or heard that or believed that more um, when I was younger and starting to experience some of the ways PCOS was affecting me, then it would have empowered me to learn more and approach my health in a much different way. Um, And instead for a long time, I did what I thought was the best thing for my health, which was try desperately to lose weight. And I didn't, I like kind of looked sideways at these things that terrified me, like, you know, in college learning that not everyone had a super regular period or, um, finding like figuring out that I was more tired all the time than other people. Um, and just, just like being told at the point of diagnosis or anytime I would describe symptoms before that to my doctors, just being told like, Oh, it's not your fault that you're experiencing these things. Um, that would have made a huge difference in my mental health and also just in my ability to choose how I wanted to approach taking care of my body. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think so many more people would regularly meet with their healthcare professional if they really believed that it wasn't their fault. You know, I think there would be much more access to care. Totally. I mean, there's just also this idea of like, you know, a lot of people 
who don't have any kind of health issues um, or aren't aware of them, you know, their meat bags are working as <laughs> they see well. Um, <laughs> they, they approach health as if it's something you do to yourself. Um, mm-hmm. If you feel good, it's because you're making it happen. Mm-hmm. And if you feel bad, it's because you're making it happen. And people who are born or develop or like just have other stuff happen to them, like chronic illnesses or accidents, or even like, you know, sometimes weight fluctuations either way can, can also affect your health or, or make your health feel different in different ways. Um, it's very confusing to have that happen and have the only framework be, well, you're choosing it, you're doing it to yourself. Um, and just like having friends who are disabled or having friends who have chronic illnesses. And I also have like these other chronic illnesses now, like that's one of the biggest things I wish, like, um, the messaging about health being a choice instead of like, uh, you know, everyone's health is individual and it's a process and like, we don't all start in the same place. (laughs) Like I think is a big shift I would love to see happen. Um, because learning that you have a chronic thing that is not going to go away and that you like, like you, you can't, it's very depressing to look at that in the framework of, well, you, if you just chose to, you could be optimally healthy. And it's a lot easier to look at that in the framework of like, well, everyone's body's individual. And this is just a thing that's true about yours. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah. I always, yeah, the social determinants of health. I was, yeah, like I wish more people appreciated how that was a bigger impact. And, um, Wow. I, I feel like we could talk to you for the next two weeks. So we probably need to end. But Sophie, thank you so much for your time and giving us your lived experience with PCOS and your relationship with food in your body. It's something that I know a listener can relate to tremendously. So thank you so much. And is there, um, if, if someone wants to find out about your podcast, which we haven't really named, it's She's All Fat. It's this amazing yeah. podcast. It's the best. <laughs> totally. <laughs> and so um, where's the best way for people to find you and your work? Yeah. Well, thank you both so much for having me on. This is truly an honor. Um, we have people also write to us about you all the time. And we talk about you on the mm-hmm. podcast as well. I'm always like, they know more than us. Go talk to them. We don't know what we're doing. <laughs> um, so we really, really appreciate the work that you all are doing. And I feel very much like an imposter being on your podcast. But if people want to come find me, um, <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Sophia CK, S-O-P-H-I-A-C-K with underscores around it. And on Instagram, just at Sophia CK, and you can find the podcast across all social media or on our website at She's All Fat Pod. Um, yeah, and we talk about body positivity, self-love, and pop culture and chill vibes. Awesome. And just hang out. Yeah. Definitely, definitely check out the podcast. Thank you so much. Um, have a great rest of your day. And again, we appreciate it. Thank you. You too. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the PCOS and Food Peace podcast. Do you want more food peace? Go to pcosandfoodpeace.com slash podcast for a free download. It's your first three steps toward food peace with PCOS. There, you can also enter in a drawing for a free trial of Avocetol. That's a 90-day supply. Again, go to pcosandfoodpeace.com slash podcast. 
Thank you for listening. The PCOS and Food Peace podcast was created by Julie Duffy Dillon and Kimmy Singh. Audio editor was Toby Lyles from 24 Sound. Show art by Katie Sanders from Pop and Gray. Music was by Tiny Music entitled Super Pop. Show notes were by Laura King. Thank you for listening. We hope this episode empowers you to experience more food peace.